Good morning from me. Lovely to see your lovely faces. Thanks, man. Great. Okay. This morning we have a finance update and a little talk about giving. Woo! Say the trustees. God bless you. Um, about once a year, we take a break from our scheduled preaching series to give you an update about Kingdom Vineyard's finances, to let you know how we're doing as a church community financially, and to talk about godly attitudes to money. And I know that that can be a weird or an awkward, all the British people are like, oh, can't possibly discuss money. Uh, but I like the transparency that this sort of morning gives. I like that the whole church family gets to hear what's going on, and I like statistics almost as much as Jesse does. Okay, that's not true. Jesse likes them a lot more than I do. And my word, when you see the PowerPoint for his bit, have mercy. <laughs> Jesse is going to come and share some of these statistics shortly. And I'm going to give just a little bit of a talk beforehand to share with you our view of money and giving. A bit about where we're coming from on this. So firstly, let me say where we're not coming from. I said a bit more on this in last year's talk, uh, God and Giving, on the 10th of March, Podcast Hunters, and I suggest that you go and listen as a prequel because I unpacked an awful lot more of kind of the, the foundations of where we're coming from. But for today, let me say a few things where we're not coming from. Number one, we do not do talks on money to make anyone feel guilty or feel pressured to give. That is not our heart towards money. We don't want that sort of relationship with our church. And frankly, I don't want that sort of relationship with the church's income. I don't want us to look at the facts and figures, look at the bank account and say, ah, good, we squeezed another 2% out of them. That just isn't the sort of church I want to be in. And I'm glad to say, that isn't the sort of church you're in. So that's good. I want us to be a church family that gives generously, cheerfully, not under compulsion, which is in fact exactly what the Bible tells us to do. Isn't that good? So let me reassure you, guilting you, pressuring you into giving is not the plan of the morning. Everyone may now sit back and breathe again. Number two thing that I want to call out, we do not do talks on money because Kingdom Vineyard is in financial need. Actually, friends, we're doing well. I'm excited for what we can grow, what we can do with the resources that God is blessing us with. And I do want to add my thanks to Rachel's that your faithful giving allows us to do what we do as a church community. We really appreciate the things that we can do for God's kingdom, partnering with him through your faithful giving. So a wholehearted and a real thank you to those of you who are giving. Around this time last year, our board of trustees sat around a table to discuss the budgets for the year 2019 and decided how ambitious to be with what we could do. In faith, the trustees decided to set our budgets 10% higher than the previous year, to increase our work to partner with God in building his kingdom, not knowing if that money would come in. I just want to take a side note to say we're blessed with some really wise, really prayerful and faithful trustees, friends. This church is blessed got some smart people and some godly people making those sorts of decisions. Yeah, amen. About that decision, though, without stealing Jesse's figures, God was generous. So the church is doing all right. We're not doing a money talk because we're suddenly panicking and we're broke. Number three, we do not do talks on money because God is in financial need. <laughs> Honestly, he is loaded. 
There's someone who joins us as we worship here every week whose bank account is absolutely bottomless and he's really generous and he loves being part of this community. He's called Jesus and I really recommend that you get a coffee with him sometime. (laughs) He is so kind to us. He doesn't need a thing from us, but he loves it when we partner with him. Number four, we do not do talks on money because we think it's important. Jesus thinks it's important. In last year's talk, I shared some statistics with you about the place that money has in Jesus' teaching. Please grab that again. Honestly, we put loads of work into that. Uh, And I think it came out all right. But as a quick recap, there are 500 verses in the Bible relating to prayer, about 500 verses in the Bible relating to faith, and about 2,350 verses in the Bible relating to money and possessions. And Jesus talks about money in 16 out of 38 parables that he teaches. The issue of money, the question of our stuff, matters to God. So, it's important that we teach on it too. The final recap, the final point I want to hit about what is not a heart uh, before we get into the meat of it is this. I want to recognize churches have not always got this right. There is a reason why people are wary of churches talking about money. Not every preach has approached this topic with a good heart. Some have used the topic of money to beat people with a guilt stick. Not every church has had a good heart towards its finances. Some have seemed to be exactly the sort of grabbing, greedy, empire-building, money-focused people that they've told their congregations not to be. That is not our heart. And though I'm certainly not flawless in either my speaking or my managing, we earnestly desire to serve God well in the area of finances and to reflect him well both to you, our church family, and to the world that watches on. I also want to say that though this is true, churches haven't always got this right, our own experience here at Kingdom Vineyard has been that this church has been blessed with only the most sensible, gracious, and Jesus-honoring financial stewardship in the faithful hands of Toby and Carol Foster, and Jesse, who continues to keep a faithful watch over our finances and our financial integrity, and I am completely committed to us continuing in that legacy. So, introductory remarks concluded, cards on the table, let's get to the meat of this talk. In the short time I have before I hand over to Jesse with the facts and figures, I have four things to lay before you as succinctly as I can about money and a Jesus-based attitude to it. These are mammon, trust, stewardship, and generosity. Firstly then, mammon. Handily enough for me this morning, Jeremy preached a very helpful message just two Sundays ago on the church in Ephesus and the riot that broke out there against them. Yet more podcast homework, sorry not sorry. (laughs) One of the things that Jeremy challenged us on so well was idols. And Jeremy's observations about idols and idolatry laid the groundwork really well for a talk about money. I'm going to jump in halfway through here. Idols are funny things. It's all too easy to think of them as only statues, But in fact, they're always places of false trust. 
Idols give us a sense of false security. Our money is an idol because it makes us feel secure. Anyone else go, ouch, at that moment? An idol is anything that inappropriately takes the place of God in our lives. That could be a little metal statue in a shrine in the house and the people of Ephesus worshipping. Or maybe it's the dream of wealth that we spend our lives working towards. Or maybe it's the fear of debt that consumes us or even hopes for a certain relationship. Anything, anything that takes the place, the headspace and the heart space in our lives that should be reserved for God is an idol. Anything that we devote ourselves to, anything that we fear in the place of God is an idol. And money generally has such a powerful control over people's lives. It's such a powerful idol that the Bible gives it its own name, Mammon. It's a fascinating wee name. And Bible scholars have suggested two possible roots for the word. One of them is treasure, which is obvious enough. And the other one is uh, support, stability, that which is trusted in via Chaldean from Amman. Well, that's the problem with Mammon. It is one thing to own money, to have stuff. It's another thing to have the sort of relationship with our money or stuff that means that that is where our trust is, that that's where our security is. God's plan for our relationship with money is that we are not a prisoner to it, not a slave to debt, nor a slave to wealth. Friends, I don't think God has anything against money but I think he has a massive issue with mammon. God wants that place in our lives. He wants us to focus on him, his provision, and his priorities. And that place where we're dreaming of wealth or worried about the future, he wants us to focus on him, his plans for us, and his provision for those plans. If mammon is our idol, and it gets more of our headspace and our heart space than God does, then we're not free to follow Jesus where he leads us. We'll always have a temptation or an unease, a tie to money that will hold us back. There's two places where the word mammon appears in the Bible. One is Matthew 6, verse 24, where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other, whether you believe it or not. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to mammon. Sometimes translated money there, but the word in the Greek is mammon. It's a different thing. The other time that mammon appears in the Bible is in a fascinating story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 13, which we don't have time to look at today, but honestly, go and read it. This is where a dishonest manager spends his boss's money, unrighteous mammon, to earn himself friends amongst the people around him. And the boss who he rips off to do this praises him for it. We could spend a whole morning unpacking this story, but for today, allow me to summarize. Jesus' attitude to money is pretty clear. Don't let it master you. Instead, use the stuff of this world to invest in what matters to God's kingdom people. 
to keep our money from becoming mammon, we have to use it as a means to God's ends, not treat it as an end in itself. This is a hard teaching, friends, as I can tell from your faces. This cuts right against the world's attitude to money. Get a good job. Buy that new thing on this new credit card. Climb over others to reach the top and get a better salary. New stuff equals happiness. So, what is the Jesus followers alternative? What is a Christian view of money? I think that God wants us to be in this world, to be carriers of his kingdom amongst the people that he wants us to introduce to him. So, we need to be interacting with the systems, money, governments, these sorts of things, just not controlled by them in the same way. God wants us to manage the resources that he entrusts us with to impact the rest of these systems with his kingdom. So here is what I understand to be God's solution to the problem of mammon. Worship Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. Give your stuff to Jesus. You and Jesus, like that. Yeah? Great. The end. Well, no, I'll be a bit more practical than that. (laughs) I have a three-part practical solution for you, and it goes like this. Trust, stewardship, generosity. Number one, trust. God does not want your money as much as he wants the place in your thinking and feeling that money occupies. God does not want your money as much as he wants the trust that you place in money instead of in him. It comes down to the question of, who do I trust more? God or the savings I've built up? Jesus calls out exactly this false trust in Luke 12, 16 to 21. Pause the podcast now and go and look it up. Placing our hopes and fears and our trust in Jesus is the vaccination against the disease of slavery to mammon. It means that we surrender all of our finances to Jesus. Lord, it is yours. You do with it what you want. I trust you, Jesus. It looks like trusting that when he says, go buy this, don't spend that, give to that person. Invest in that. It means that when he says those things, that he is Lord, actually. He is the boss. If he's real. If he's real. And if he's the good, good father that we read about and we sing about, this is the obvious next step. Trust in God and not our bank balances. Or our employment, for that matter. And when we're forced to choose between what we love, Jesus or money, We choose Jesus. And when we're forced to choose what to fear, looming money worries, losing our trust in Jesus, we choose to keep close to Jesus. You know, personally, I wonder if this is what God was thinking when he came up with that tithing thing. If I were God, if I was trying to get my people to have a way to remember who their provider is and who to put first in all things, especially financially, I'd come up with some sort of system, right, where people were asked to give their first 10% to the work of God. And that that would be an ongoing reminder of who to trust and who to focus on so that they would keep a loose grip on money and a tight grip on God. Yeah, just a thought. Number two. 
Stewardship. A Jesus-like approach to money does not mean a careless approach to money. It means treating all the money we have and all the money worries we have as if they belonged to Jesus and acting accordingly. We gave him everything, didn't we? What does that look like practically? It looks like seeing our resources as important to Jesus, recognizing that providing physically for our families is a good thing, unlike the Pharisee in Mark 7, verse 11. Recognizing that giving to charities that do good work is a good thing, and recognizing that God's rule for us that we tithe is a good discipline, as well as a good way to partner with him in his kingdom-building work. What a gift to us that God doesn't just miracle his works into being, usually, but that he partners with us, gives us the important task of giving the stuff that we hold into his work through his people. We get to see our contribution to his plans. That's exciting. And I want to encourage you, friends, that the people that you see who are developing preachers in this church, the people who are developing worship leaders in this church, our home group leaders, and many more are all invested into and grown through the time that your giving affords the leadership of this church to give to them. Not to mention the wonderful work of Storehouse, where the carrier bags full of food going out of the door are an even more visible sign of giving that changes lives. There are so many Bible verses about being good stewards. There are so many commands and instructions about using what we have faithfully. Indeed, the whole way that creation is set up shows us that God has entrusted us with stuff. And when we treat money like we're looking after Jesus' money, faithfully managing it instead of letting the money pressures of this world manage us, we'll be being good stewards of it. And we'll have a healthy, godly relationship with money. Number three, generosity. Generosity could be seen as just a part of stewardship, or it could rightly be its own full sermon series. All I'll say about it this morning is this. Generosity is a big part of God's character and the character he wants to form in his people. He is incredibly generous with his stuff and he's immeasurably generous with himself. God is generous and he's designed us to be too. It is only the love of money or the fear of it that prevents us from living that way. Being generous is a part of good stewardship. It's the style of stuff management that God asks of us. Generosity is powerful because it makes a statement about our trust in God. I trust him more than I want to keep my stuff. And it makes a statement about our stewardship. The way I manage my stuff shows that I value other people more than my own gain. So, that's it from me. Sorry, it's a tough one. But the reason it's a tough one is because mammon is just all over the shop. And I really hope that you don't hear me as wagging a finger this morning, just trying to prize us free from something that can get between us and the Lord. And I really hope that you don't think that any of this was a way to try and twist you into giving more money to this church. God's more generous than that. But I'd love for each of us in our walk with Jesus to be as tight with him 
that nothing, not even the false god of our trust in money, can come between us. The antidote to the curse of mammon worship, money idolatry, is, in short, devote ourselves to Jesus. In slightly less short, it's to, one, trust Jesus more than we trust money. Two, steward our money, manage it as if it belonged to Jesus. And three, develop a character of Jesus-like generosity. Friends, I want to be part of a Jesus-loving community that is known for powerful generosity. Miracles of healing and miracles of ordinary people showing extraordinary kindness. Hear me right, I'm not fully there yet myself, but I want to be. And I'd love for us to journey together with this, towards the relationship with money that Jesus wants us to have. Jesse, would you come and tell us how the church's finances are doing? Thank you, mate. Bless you. Check, check, check. There we go. All right, let's have some fun. I am here on behalf of the trustees to present the uh, accounts for the last financial year. If you are a trustee, would you mind standing, please? Thank you. Go ahead. If you're a trustee. There we are. These are your trustee trustees. Oh, no, Andrew, you were a trustee. You're not a trustee anymore, but he was a faithful trustee. Uh, thank you. you. You may sit down. Just so that you know who to trust, you know. Okay, uh, Alistair, I will give you the indication as to when to proceed with the next slide. Who knows what is going to happen, because Alistair, uh, where is he? He put together the slides. Um, so what I'd like to do is give you a picture of, um, just in terms of percentage breakdowns of uh, what we have got in, and then percentage breakdowns of how we have spent that, and then I'll give you some actual figures for, you know, pound and pence and all that sort of thing. So slide number one. Oh, my word. <laughs> it begins. All right, okay, so um, the, biggest, the biggest chunk, um, thankfully, is uh, the 50% just coming in through banks. This is the most efficient way to give. It means that we don't have to pay any fees for services and all that sort of thing. So we're really grateful for the people who just set up a standing order. We know what, it's gonna, we know what the accounts are going to look like. It makes budgeting much easier. And then uh, we get this uh, other bit that's uh, grey, electronic services. We're really grateful for anybody who gives, but let me just point out that electronic services has a fee of something like 3%. So if you want to be super, super, super efficient, even if you're only giving 20 quid a month or something like that, uh, just, go, just sort it out with your bank. It's easy these days. Just do that instead. Um, but um, but that's, that's electronic services. Cash and checks on a Sunday morning, which we, uh, which we pick up in the baskets, 15%. Gift aid, 12%. Gift aid is 25% of um, anybody who, anybody's gift that is paying tax. So 25 pence for every pound. That is something that the government give us. Uh, we can't always know whether that's going to be true in the future. We do live in Babylon after all. Um, so uh, that's, that's quite a big chunk. And then restricted income is income which um, is given to us with a specific uh, spending 
uh, criteria that we need to follow. So normally that storehouse, this is sometimes finances that we're getting from people who are outside of the church, who see the work that storehouse is doing, and they want to bless storehouse, but they don't want to give it to us a lot, um, which is fine. But I just want to say that when income is restricted, uh, we can only use it for that, and we can't give it away. So when we as a church decide to tithe 10% of our income, we're, we're tithing 10% of all the rest of it. So we'd like to tithe more. You know, we'd like to give away more. So that's what restricted income is. Okay, next slide. Thank you very much, Alistair. Whoa! <laughs> and all that money's come in, and now it just... <laughs> there it goes. Okay. <laughs> Salaries, 48%. For that 48%, of uh, expenditure, you get, um, well, you pay for three days of my time, you get a, a bit more. Um, you pay for four, do- four days of Jim's time, you get a bit more. You pay for one day of Rachel's time, you get a bit more. You pay for one day of Scott's time, you get a hell of a lot more. Heaven of a lot more, sorry. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Uh, who else do we pay? That's it. Uh, we don't pay Al and Caitlin, even though they do uh, prove to be their weight, worth their weight in gold. Um, so, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's um, you, you pay us, which is amazing. Really helpful, thank you. Um, there's an orange section that's tithe. Um, as a church, we like to reflect what we encourage individuals to do. So we want to give away a tithe. So that money uh, represents money that we have just given to other organizations, things that have no direct beneficial effect on us. Those, uh, that includes money that we give to uh, Caris Counseling Services, uh, without whom I probably wouldn't be standing here today. Um, uh, groups like Families First, Homestart, the Cosmos Center, people that are just doing brilliant work locally, and then people who are doing brilliant work internationally, like the International Justice Mission, uh, working against uh, human trafficking, um, and other similar groups. Then we have um, just other expenses. Running offices is expensive. The Vineyard Center, which we have moved out of, and this year that was a bit... Um, pricier than normal because we had to we had to pay a bit moving in and we had to pay a bit moving out. Um, catering and hospitality, we just we just love to we, we love to eat. We love to spend time with one another the way that Jesus did, right? And uh, and then the office costs a bit of money. There's other little segments there that aren't labelled, but they are little things like worship tech stuff and um, the kids. Okay. With great fear and trepidation, could you hit the next button, please? Okay, so, so this is the last six years. Uh, it looks like in 2014 we were really reckless and just spent, spent, spent. But actually the previous year, which we've knocked off of that chart now, we had a bumper year because we were moving into the Vineyard Center. We had a big gift day and we asked for loads of money. So we had big green and little red. And then we had big uh, red and little green. And then we had several years that looked sort of even, Stevens, and then just kind of climbing up. 80, 85, 85, 90, 95. And then for 2019, we decided to take a bit of a leap of faith and budget for um, about seven grand income and uh, an equivalent expenditure higher than we'd uh, had the previous year. So we were looking at about 100,000 pounds of income and 100,000 pounds of expenditure. 
hit it. And this is what happened. And this is how wisely we're using your money. Um, yeah. so, so as you can see, um, the, the actual income uh, is considerably higher than that which we anticipated. Um, so it's about £125,000. Um, and we spent about £107,000 of that. So we're sitting on a surplus uh, from last year, and we don't like sitting on surpluses. We like to work out what God wants us to do with that money and how to spend it, so we're going to be asking God what that is. We're really uh, open to everybody sort of prayerfully uh, considering that um, and, and, and coming to those trusty trustees um, with, with suggestions as to what they believe the Lord might be leading us into. But let me give you some kind of a clue as to uh, things that were happening in the, in, in the budgeting and in the thinking about money. We knew that there were things that we wanted to do as a church. We knew that we wanted to expand ministries and, um, and do more kingdom stuff in the community. And we thought, well, how do we do that? We can't afford it. And we thought, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God more. We're going to lean into God more. We're going to preach acts. We're going to do the stuff. We're going to just believe that um, if we just lean into him, then he's going to give us what we need to do, what he's got called us to do. So that's pretty much God's answer to that. Um, so, well done. Um, let me just say one more thing. I, I personally... Um, let me say something about this idea of tithe. Tithe is a bit of a strange word. Um, it means essentially 10% of, um, of what you produce or what you, uh, what you make. And um, it seems to be something that's taught in the Old Testament that isn't countermanded in the New Testament, so we kind of believe it to be a thing that we ought to do. And can I just say that um, we walk the walk and don't just talk the talk as trustees. Um, I calculated that 25% uh, of our overall income as a church comes just from our trustees. Um, so that's not, just, that's not to boast. That's basically just to say that among these trustees, you have what I heard one preacher call uh, as financially promiscuous people. They just don't know how to keep their wallets in their trousers, right? They just, um, they just give it away, give it away. They're just very generous with it. And you know, we're still here to tell the tale. So what we want to do is just exemplify the fact that God is faithful. You know, we're, 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 um, we're just believing that if we do what God says to do, that he won't let us down. And my mind was changed about this when I began to think not about the 10% I have to give away, but about the 90% I get to keep. It's like, actually, it all comes from God. And actually, I want to give it all back to God. And then he gives me back what I need. So I just want to encourage you to look at that. Be thankful. Let's celebrate that. Let's enjoy that. Um, but let's also just um, be intentional about the way that we're responding to God with the resources that he's given us. That's me done. Thank you very much.
Just to be clear, that applause is for Jesse's presentation, not Al's. <laughs> Mate, you're worth everything we pay you. Um, I... And more. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. Get out of it. Anyone booing your giving? No, 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 right. Good. I love that um, even when we talk about money, we can do so transparently, but also with a bit of a giggle, because I just want to have that open heart amongst ourselves as church. I'm also conscious that uh, in some of the things that I said and in Jesse talking about tithing, there may be a few people here who are thinking, oh, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with that. Can I remind you again, our heart is not guilt. Our heart, though, is to encourage you into the best relationship with Jesus possible. And if that means you want to do some business with him this morning, great. We're going to have a prayer ministry time right now, and um, there may be some people who are here who are thinking, actually, I don't know if my relationship with money is a relationship with money under Jesus or is a mammon relationship. If that's you and you'd like some prayer, we would love to pray for you. If there are some people here who are thinking, I've got money worries that you know not of, Jim, we would love to pray for you this morning. If there is stuff that's going on in your heart, in your head, and in your life that has nothing to do with money, but you are desperate for a touch of God in that area, we would love to pray for you this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand just now. Love that enthusiasm. Got some words? Cool. A few people came and, uh, and tapped Rachel on the shoulder, as she invited you to do. And uh, let her know of some things that the Lord was saying uh, to her for the church. I'm going to ask Rachel to share a few of those just now. Great, thank you. Um, Someone had um, just the words, all and whoever. um, And just the sense that the offer of God's love and God himself is for everyone. So if there's maybe people who um, feel like they're on the outside or perhaps they're not good enough, then... Um, a sense that God wants to remind you that, no, he is for you as well. He would love to meet with you. Another one was um, a picture of a desert and the words that it's time for the rain to come again. So if that resonates with you in any way, we would love to pray for you too. Another was um, a picture of a rainbow, um, just a sense of all different colors. Um, People come in all shapes and sizes and personalities. um, And the the word that went along with that was just a celebration of um, our diversity. So if any of that um, resonates with you, we'd love to pray for that too. Another was a picture of a glacier um, and ice dropping off it and it getting smaller to reveal the land that is underneath. Um, The sense there was that the glacier is all of the stuff that builds up in our lives um, and that the Holy Spirit melts the ice away to reveal our true selves. So again, if that's something that speaks to you in any way, we would love to pray for you. Um, Another one was a picture of someone sitting down and making really intricate lace Um, but it feels like the process uh, goes on forever. Um, And the sense there was that um, it's someone kind of building a relationship with Jesus and trying to get close to him, but feeling like 
the process is a frustration and never seems to end. Um, I think there, God maybe just wants to bring some reassurance um, and remind you that it's a lifelong process. We never really get there. We continue to learn, take two steps forward, one step back, whatever it looks like for you. Um, if there is any way that you are struggling and feeling like you are making no progress in getting close to Jesus, then we would love to um, pray for his peace and his blessing over you. Um, another was a verse which is 2 Kings 5, 18 to 19, um, a sense of someone wanting forgiveness for something, um, but also with that, God wants to give you peace in that process of asking for forgiveness. So if any of those, there was loads in there, and sorry that I've totally rattled through it, but if any of that speaks to you or you'd like me to repeat any of them, then please come forward for prayer or come and speak to me. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, would you set us free from anything that is an idol in our lives? Would you come, would you do a specific work in each of our hearts, and would you separate us, prize out of our hands, Lord, things that we hold in your place? Would you bring your peace, your grace, and your love? Would you give us great wisdom with managing our own finances, Lord? Let us serve you and love you faithfully as we look after those close to us, as we do right by you with our finances. Lord, would you bring blessing? Blessing financially, Lord, as well as blessing with wisdom in how to manage it. But most of all, Lord, would you draw us into the sort of relationship with you where you are the most important thing in our lives? <laughs> 